Blog Talk Radio. Yes, indeed, and welcome to Rescue Radio, and guess what? There is a war for our souls, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for this awesome opportunity to speak uh, your word, to look into your word, to encourage those who would seek you as evangelists, as ones who would bring forth the good news to others, so that you'd give us now eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive the revelation of the understanding, the encouragement, the instruction the anointing of your Holy Spirit to do that which you've called us to do, Father, and not to be bogged down and distracted by the other things that appear to be so important and pressing in our lives, Father. I pray that you'd also uh, give us a gratitude and a uh, response uh, to, re- um, to receive the revelation of your salvation, not only for ourselves but for others, and that what that means, Lord God, the power to bind, to loose, to forgive, to walk in freedom and peace and uh, forgiveness with God, Uh, peace and relationship with you, Lord God, that we are no longer enemies or aliens, but we've been brought into the household of faith. And so I thank you tonight that you'd uh, keep your promise that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach. I thank you, Jesus. You are the faithful witness and the wonderful counselor. I thank you that you've kept your promises and all things work together for good to those who love God. So I pray that you would now give us uh, instruction that we would speak as the oracles of God under your anointing and your spirit, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight we have a very familiar guest, uh, familiar in that he's always here, but or often always here. But uh, tonight we're going to talk about evangelism. Are you afraid? And that happens to be Jerry's favorite, favorite, favorite of all subjects. So Tonight I'm going to interview him because I think evangelism is his uh, cup of tea, so to say. And um, is that right? is that not true, honey? Well, it's a big, big part of it because I mean, all, all of us have come to know Christ because of someone else. Someone else somehow shared the Word of God with us, mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, really up to us in the power of the Holy Spirit to pass it on. Right. Well, I know the the, the great commission given at the end of all the Gospels practically says, "Go." Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is Matthew's um, uh, uh, discussion of the Great Commission. But, you know, going forward like that, and, and you know, there's so many obstacles, there's so many uh, ways the adversary kind of hinders us from fulfilling or being obedient to the Great Commission. So I think we're going to look at a few obstacles, but before we do that, let's look at the context a little bit of today's world and why the um, it's so hard to get people even interested in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, I think in many ways, uh, you know, what we've seen of Christianity and denominations and so forth has really misrepresented Jesus Christ for the most part. Mm-hmm. And so there are people that, uh, I meet people very often that have grown up in church and maybe it's been really legalistic or they were hurt by church. I guess everybody's been hurt by church in one way or yeah, another, almost, true. you know, in the yeah. United States. Yeah. And so they, they've kind of thrown out the baby with the bathwater because they really, mm-hmm. 
you know, maybe they see Jesus as they went to Sunday school and they say Jesus is a flannel board Jesus, mm-hmm. or they see him as a sacramental Jesus. They see him as a figure hanging on a, on a cross and, yeah. on a crucifix or something like that. Or they see him as just kind of a wishy-washy, uh, feminized, non-relevant, uh, non-relevant irrelevant, yeah. guy that kind of floats around. Or some people see him as kind of just another one of the other uh, New Age gurus or something. Guru gods, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know that that kind of makes me think about this evangelism, winning people to Jesus is a lost art. It's not practiced much, but it's because people have lost interest in evangelizing is evangelizing so when you lose interest in something you don't practice it you don't seek it out you don't do it but i think it's very interesting that the lord himself put a great emphasis on making disciples he actually started out his ministry with repent um and and be baptized yeah Yeah, yeah. for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and yeah kingdom of heaven is at hand he came his purpose, his announced purpose, was to seek and to save that which was lost. Right. And uh, that whole uh, pur- the whole concept of being lost has been lost. Has been lost, and so <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of people say the it's been said about the Great Commission. It's now the Great Omission. Mm-hmm. I true. have uh, mm-hmm. people that I have read that quoted that say give a, a staggering figure like ninety. Well over 90% of people who claim to be born-again believers never, ever share their faith in Christ directly just uh, yeah. with a simple gospel presentation to someone well, in their whole life. I think, I think that part of the, the key to that is that the, in the concept of being lost, Jesus says he's come to seek and save that which is lost. And I think the enemy has done a great job in feathering people's nests and making, making people distracted and feel very uh, self-secure, you know, they're self-actualizing, they're becoming their own gods, they don't need to be saved because they're not lost, they didn't do anything wrong, they're right, they've got their own ways to get to peace, and and so I think the urgency, uh, the the conviction, um, the fear of God, uh, realizing that we're lost and going to hell or lost and going into a place of great abyss and separation from God is not on the minds of most of the human population. Well, it's it's not on the minds uh, of, of many believers that claim to be born again. Right, the because urgency. why? Why is that? Well, there's you know the surveys taken among evangelical believers, which includes a wide range of faith and practice, mm-hmm. that. Um, in a lot of people, most people, they'll believe in, in heaven, but they don't want to believe in hell. Yeah. It's like, you know, just, just show me the... Show me the, light the without darkness. Yeah, yeah, right, don't. like that. So the, the idea of Jesus came with the full realization of how lost we are. Right. We, we are out of our purpose. Jesus said mm-hmm. in Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 38, he saw the multitudes... Mm-hmm. One translation says they were harassed and helpless, mm-hmm. like sheep without a shepherd. They were uh, vulnerable to a sheep without a shepherd is vulnerable to diseases, to starvation, wolves. to injury, to mm-hmm. predators, wolves, bears, whatever the situation would be. And so he he sees them this way, and and really what happens has to happen with us. Mm-hmm as believers, is we, we have to begin to see people 
in, in, a, in a similar way to what Je- how Jesus sees them. I think today, um, you know, I remember when we were first saved, it seems like, um, you know, there would be altar calls and there'd be tallies and there'd be how many people got saved in your church this year and you'd fill out these little reports and how many got baptized or baptized with the Holy Spirit or whatever. And nowadays it seems like, um, you know, now we don't uh, consider the num- our numbers as increasing through salvations, but through the numbers that are attending a cell group or a home group or a community church group, uh, Bible study or discuss- discussion group. These are not salvations, but we, we tally our numbers because numbers equal success right. by, by some artificial standard that does not require truly that people repent or be born again. Yeah, and a lot of it is, is the church has gotten into the marketing, especially the kind of the mega church philosophy. It's, it's, a, it's, a, marketing, uh, it's a marketing concept. Mm-hmm. That um, you know, here's what you do. If you do this and do this and do this, you reach this. right. It's all it's like there's commercialized. A market, there's yeah, a market out there. We want to just do everything we can to woo our share of the of the market. Out Consumers. There. It's like you know, yeah. selling and it, product. And really, it's like a consumer mentality too. Of many who come to church, they look at now this rather than say this is. What's this going to do for my, for me, mm-hmm. for my family? Rather than how can I equip and encourage someone else? How can I fire up here? How how can I learn and be uh, uh, ed- educated and inspired to go out there and reach lost? No, it's an old concept. Years ago, they used to have evangelistic meetings, and, mm-hmm. and they still still do. You know that we we have them in other countries. Uh, other countries, mm-hmm. and especially they're very effective there. Not so much in the United States, where you draw a large. You try to get we have outside here. of Jesus we have, to come yeah. into a building we have to hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so it's 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 you all come and come to this building, yeah, and come to do to this that event, yeah. rather than individuals going out, mm-hmm. touching individuals in in their right. world, in our world, yeah. reaching people. There, you know, we have that uh, concept that uh, every one of us are able to reach people that nobody else can mm-hmm. because of the uniqueness of our position, because of our Character. network of people through work, through our family, mm-hmm. through friends, neighbors, that sort of thing. So um, it really the evangelism needs to be happening, not in a, in a church building or in a concert hall, even though God can use that. The main uh, efforts of, of sharing the gospel of Christ is to be with just you and I, Reaching people in our world, building relationships. Right, right. It's more, it's more real and more natural that way. I think when you're baiting people, uh, like come to the circus, come and see, you know, the magic tricks of the evangelist or the preacher or the this or the that or the miracle show or the prophetic words or whatever. And, and a lot of people are just seeing that as not real, and and it's 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 not the way the Lord said to do. It. You said it's like to go out rather than gather in. And so, yeah, we began to, right. It's. Uh, we were talking about some of these obstacles here. Let's maybe get back to some of that. I think one of the great obstacles, and this is, uh, is, is the fear of man, mm-hmm. which was really a form of idolatry. Right. So if, if we're afraid of a face of it, what are people going to think? What, are, what if people reject me? What if they don't hear my, my words? What if they, what if they 
well, me up. What about persecution? What about politically correct? Nowadays, I mean, back even 10 years ago, it was safe to evangelize, to pass out a tract, to preach to someone, to, to share your faith. Nowadays, it, you may be turned in. It's politically becoming more and more dangerous. And we're, you know, there's a stereotype of Christians uh, that's growing, I think, among uh, the rank and file that um, we're fanatics. And, and that is uh, what the enemy wants them to see us as, because if I'm a kook or a fanatic, uh, isn't that going to make it a lot more difficult for someone to listen to me? Because right. they've already got me picked as uh, depicted as a uh, loose cannon right. or something. And, and you have the you know uh, the media in our nation, for the most part, the mainstream media uh, makes Christians out to be a bunch of right wing redneck kooks, mm-hmm. and and then they always bring and who wants to join them, who right? A pastor or a former pastor, yeah. who said some extreme stupid thing, yeah. and they said this is what Christianity is. Right. You don't want that, do you? Yeah, because that that just gets pumped through the through our media. Yeah, even an example of that at the five o'clock news today, or whatever the news was, they had or on Google, I guess it was this morning. You said there was. They had this supposed pastor who had this gun former, and said, "A former pastor, yeah, yeah, and said all this, the, the, whatever, whatever he said it, that they all sh- these this group of people should all be shot." Well, you know what? That is what they promote as a, a Christian. Of course, that is very skewed, and I hope most truly uh, thoughtful people would see through that. But the mainstream media is very biased. And but going back to us, what is the I mean, fear of men, that you said that's idolatry. We're insecure in who we are. And I think we're not convinced that it's imperative, urgent, drastically, desperately urgent that we should uh, speak to people about their eternal salvation. I, I think of the description in the book of Jude, if you don't mind, I'll have you read that um, uh, in the book of Jude, Jerry, where it's um, yeah, this the really, last couple of verses there. Right, it really brings in the... Uh urgency yeah it says um uh let's i'll just read the verses before that to get yeah. the context here jude uh, 20 through uh 23 he says but you beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith praying in the holy spirit keep yourselves in the love of god looking for the mercy of our lord jesus christ unto eternal life and on some have compassion making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. So there's a way, there's a tough and tender approach, depending on where what mm-hmm. the situation is with a particular person. Mm-hmm. Some people are, uh, are, are so broken, and, and they're just, Fragile. You, you can't crush them. And mm-hmm. Jesus said, he said, I won't, uh, a bruised reed. A bruised reed I will not break. A smoking wick I will not quench. Mm-hmm. And so there's that tenderness there and, and compassion that's required in, in that situation with someone. And then there are others maybe that are more uh, arrogant. They're more... Hard. You're, they're hardened and maybe they just need a stronger word. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're just railing on them, but well, it, you have to you, you it, approach, it, approach it. Jesus approached everybody... Mm-hmm. Differently, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you know, there's an urgency that we see in Jude. He's these people are risking their lives. They're going to the the mouth of hell, the brink of of the cliff or whatever, to pull them out of the fire, hating the garments that are defiled by the flesh. You know, you're you're seeing the destruction of the flesh and the works of darkness. 
upon the souls and the eternal destinies of these men, women, and children. And, you know, if that doesn't shake us up or cause us to become um, involved or, uh, what's the word? Motivated? Uh, shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, what's another word? Uh, stirred up inside that this is, you know, I, I really believe the urgency is gone because we are so stupefied, so apathetic, so put down, shut the, shut up, sleeping, in slumber, um, spellbound. We have no idea as a, as a population, especially in America. It's almost like we're sleeping. We're in this, this slumber. And as we're sleeping, the enemy is reaping the hearts, the lives, the souls, the health, the children, everything that can be taken from us. And, and yet I think that, that's, effect, that's also showing up in our urgency to evangelize. Well, yeah, there, there is a there is an absolute urgency. I remember uh, William Booth, uh, General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said he said, "I wish I could take my soldiers. These mm-hmm. were his evangelists, yeah. his workers, his leaders, and I, I wish I could just suspend them over hell for like thirty seconds. Yeah, and then he says, bring them back. He says, then they would preach with power." And yeah. the fire of the Holy Spirit as dying men to dying people. So, uh, I, so the I, real problem then seems to be that the 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 dying men to dying people, the dying men don't realize what they've been delivered from. Those that are saved and brought out of this, um, that and, and they don't recognize or appreciate. We don't whatever the uh, the value of salvation or the eternal destiny or the need to have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life or be born again and accept Jesus Christ. But what about people who um, feel like they don't know enough. You know, there's so many questions out there these days, um, so many faiths, so many misconstruings of the gospel, misconceptions of the gospel. What well, about those people? Well, there was a blind man that was uh, healed by Jesus. He was born blind. And they said, um, well, uh, who is this guy that healed you? He mm-hmm. said, well, I'm not sure. And he says, whether he's a prophet or not, I really don't know. One thing I know Whereas I was blind, but now I see. Okay. And so when you have met Jesus Christ, you have a story. Mm-hmm. You have a story. You have a B.C. before Christ, mm-hmm. and then you have an A.D. or A.C. after Christ. Uh, you have a, People have a story to tell. And, and, and that's you, called, called your testimony, right? You, te- you have a testimony. You have a story. Uh, Jesus uh, said in Acts 1-8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, mm-hmm. to the uttermost part of the earth. It's all over the place. And we read in Mark 16 that those that believed went everywhere preaching the word, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. So, wonders, yeah. so the thing is, some people say, well, I don't know enough of the word. And if you, it, you just, you're going to, this experience with Christ, it's a growing experience. Right. You're learning. It's like, um, uh, it's like uh, a five-year-old a five year old can still tell a good story, uh, tell a story about, they don't know everything there is to know by any means. Mm-hmm. But if they've had an experience, they can share that experience in their own mm-hmm. words. Right. And, and, and so, again, witnesses, what have we experienced of Christ? Here's what's happened to me. I was, I was sad, I was lost, or I, was, I thought I had it all together, 
And then one time, one time, oh, there was a time in my life where I came into a realization mm-hmm. that I couldn't do my life on my own. I right. needed help. I needed a savior. And the Lord just opened my eyes. And what has to happen, Marjorie, there has to be a a, a revelation that comes to you. It's just like somehow right. the, the, it's an awakening moment where the lights go on and you realize that you need you need Christ. So right, uh, and, and there are uh, certainly the people that maybe not feel like they don't know enough. Well, I think part of uh, the purpose of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, these gifts of leadership that God has uh, servant leadership that God has placed in the church. Uh, part of their responsibility is to help train and encourage people. But you don't have to go through a 10-week class or a year-long class in evangelism to be a good evangelist. Mm-hmm. You just you have the experience with Christ, and what happens is that as you continue on with Christ, your story builds. Right, yep. And, 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 and then a lot of times, too, with, uh, evangelism, and I might be jumping ahead just a little bit here, and you can draw me back a little <laughs> bit, but sometimes we think, evangelism, I've got to say something. I've got to preach. I, I don't care whatever the person, I'm just going to let this person know about Jesus. Well, a lot of times, what we need to do, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. So listening, taking an interest in that person, what's your story? Now, maybe you don't have, if you have the time to do that, What's your story? What's going on in your life? And then you can relate the gospel, you can relate Jesus to that uh, perceived need that they have in their life. Right. It might not be their deepest need. Well, I've been sick or I'm depressed. That might not be their deepest need, but it's a need and you can address that and say, you know, I went through that same kind of thing in my life mm-hmm. and here's how the Lord has helped me with that. Well, I think one thing you said that was key is uh the timing, and that the Lord God himself has to draw people. Um, Not that we're saying, okay, I got an excuse here because God's not drawing people because God has never stopped drawing people to himself. In John chapter 10, he talks about that. He says, "Um, uh, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. This kind of gives us a sense that the Father is drawing people, and he's asking us or allowing us to participate in the um, gathering in of the of his his sheep, You know, whether it's through a testimony, a word, an encouragement, a prayer. And a lot of times I think we, as the uh, instruments in God's hand, are very dull and self-absorbed, distracted, apathetic. And like you said, like we were talking, we feel like we don't know enough. We're just believing a lot of lies that fear is telling us, like, it's, it may not, you know, I can't do it. I don't know what to say. Um, and it, so we're afraid to step out. And we seem like we're more afraid of people and what they're going to say or they might laugh or mock or whatever than of, of being afraid of God. If God's going to ask us someday, you know, if we, how does that scripture go, if you deny me? Right, yeah. He says, if you confess Matthew ten thirty two through 33, he says, if you confess me before men, 
uh, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. If you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father who is in heaven. So, in, in the, But I don't think the Lord, does the Lord want us to testify and witness and win souls out of fear for him, of him? Or, or does he want to do it as being compelled, like Paul says, uh, the love of God constrains me or compels that's, me. That's, you know, that's really what it is. Jesus said in Matthew 24, in the last days, the love of many mm-hmm. actually can be translated the love of most. And he uses the term agapeo, agape, which is the love of God. Mm-hmm. So basically what he's saying, the love of God in the believers is going to grow cold in the last that days. That sure makes sense. And so, if there and so if there if that love for God is cold, then that means you're reaching out or evangelism is going to love, be curtailed. Love is always reaching out. Love is not self-absorbed. Like Paul said, the love of Christ constrains us. It motivates us. It presses us. We we care about someone. Our heart goes out to someone, mm-hmm. and it really takes. Uh, like I like to say, in, in uh, that we need to see people. And, and they're sold. In the likeness yeah. and image of God. See people, every person that we need to see is so loved by God, so important to God, whether it's someone just a refugee that's dying of AIDS yeah, or, or a nameless or a, or a CEO person. in a big corner office in, in, in of a major you know in a major corporation. You know, lost is lost. People are lost in different places and different mm-hmm. situations in life. And so uh, when our heart goes out to them, to be able to see people as Jesus sees them, to be able to feel as Jesus would feel for them, um, to be able to uh, speak as Jesus would speak to them, and, and, and to do as Jesus would do for them, mm-hmm. uh, to them, and with them, for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why God has given us the Holy Spirit. The empowering of the Holy Spirit is really essential for that because part of the fruit of the Spirit is, is love. Well, it's walking in the Spirit it's, and a lot of and people... giving us the ability, right. uh, you shall receive energy. In an Amplified Bible in uh, Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive the ability, uh, ability, energy, and might mm-hmm. when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Ability, energy, and might. That is what we are, are needing in order to effectively communicate the gospel of Christ. To well, as you said, um, it's the critical key is to love them. And I think, but one of the problems with love these days, if the love of many is growing cold, then many are also suspicious of what would look to be love. They don't, why, what are your motives? Why, why you tr- I don't trust you. Um, you know, people are very suspicious of, you know, anybody who would come for any, non-selfish motive because everybody believes that everybody's covetous, greedy, and they're out for themselves. And so if you and I come presenting a gospel that actually costs us something, it takes our time, it, it, it may be um, um, di- difficult, inconvenient, uh, goes against our you know comfort zone or whatever, puts us in a place of feeling awkward, whatever, that they, people say, well, um, why are you doing this? Um, uh, who are you? Um, what do you really want? And so to take the time to be in step with the Holy Spirit and God's timing in that person's life, to do that, we have to have, like you said, we have to have the Holy Spirit, we have to walk in the direction of the Holy Spirit so we have the gifts of knowledge and wisdom 
and words and the patience and the love because he that wins souls is wise. It's not an easy task. And there are several steps to the process. What are some of those steps? You said some, uh, you know, some water, some, what are the steps to that process? Well, here, here, the thing is, uh, we have to kind of know what time it is. And uh, he says uh, in First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So neither he, so then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward for his own labor. Um, so. He, he, and he talks later on, he says, I have become all things to all men that by all means I may save some. And we can talk about that a little bit later. But a lot of times what we're doing is we're in a place of sowing. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're just giving the seed for the first time. Some have, have calculated that it takes an average of seven direct gospel presentations to someone before they will receive Christ. Mm-hmm. So we might be number one, we might be number three, we might be number seven. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's, it's we, n- not everybody. It would be, be nice if everybody we talked to would be like the uh, Philippian jailer that said to uh, Peter and John, what must I do to be saved? Well, the Philippian jailer, Peter though, before he asked that question, had just went through an earthquake. There's an earthquake. Uh, there was a and shaking. So, yeah, shaking yeah. up. So the guy was out of his comfort zone, definitely. Uh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> and maybe that's what it's going to take in the last days, because somehow the witnesses have to be stirred up and shaken up, and those who receive, because there's a lot of apathy and lack of um, urgency on the part of both but the, not, the yeah, right. recipient and the uh, giver. But not yet. Not everybody is going to be ready to receive Christ right then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you you wish that was the case. But maybe you're sowing seed. It's like uh, sometimes it's like a flower. If you take a rosebud and you say, "Oh, look at this nice rosebud! I want to see the flower," and you pull it open, what are you going to do? You're going to wreck it. it. Mm-hmm. You're going to wreck it. So sometimes we're planting the seed. Sometimes we're reaping, where we actually pray with someone lead them in a prayer to receive Christ or whatever. Uh, and then sometimes maybe um, we're just watering seed that others have sown. Maybe they've got a, a praying mom or a praying grandma or a praying father. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, you know, we're, we're entering into the labors mm-hmm. of, the, of others, right. the prayers and efforts of others. We're entering in as part of their answer to prayer with a word, with a prayer, with some kind of encouragement that um, points them more t- toward the Lord. Well, you know, and another thing that uh, we bring answers, you know, to pain and, and confusion, broken relationships through the Lord, through his word. But what if the people are not yet asking the questions? And I think that's one of the problems is most people have not settled down enough in their lives. They're so anxious, so uh, obstructed, so um, busy, distracted, uh, escaping this and that that they don't sit down long enough to even ask the questions like, who am I and where am I going? Why am I here? Um, and what about death? I think a lot of people, you know, they don't want to think about their death. They don't want to think about exiting the planet. Somehow we get this uh, illusion that we are so, we're indestructible, that we're um, 
going to live forever. And yes, we will, but in this particular state, no. Um, we, we grow old, but people, they, don't, they want to avoid that subject of death. Well, how do you handle something like that? Well, if, if you could do something to get somebody thinking. Um, like ask a question? Know, yeah, that, that really, um, here, here's an example. Um, I have a, dear, uh, a good, good friend, brother in the Lord, that has given, uh, he has what's called a one-minute witness, Okay. And and we have shared that with the people in our church, and and it's not just a matter of having a formula, but it's like you can come, you can say, ask a person a question, say, hey, how you know, how are you doing today? And you can do this all in like sixty seconds. Mm-hmm. That's good because people are always yes, in a hurry. People are busy. People are in a hurry. Said, hey, how are you doing today? And yeah, beautiful day, whatever. Say, may I ask you a question? And uh, well, yeah, you're asking permission mm-hmm. to ask the question. You say. Um, uh, what would you say is the most uh, best thing that ever happened in your life? And they'll they'll they've probably never had anybody ask them that question. Mm-hmm. And they'll think and they maybe say something about the family or mm-hmm. they moved away from their parents or getting married or whatever. And wow, that's great. Uh, may I share with you the best thing that ever happened to me in my life? And if they say yeah, well, listen, there was a time in my life when I was unhappy, frustrated. I was uh, you know, immoral or Love. whatever your situation was, but then there were there, there came a day. Then one day, I, I met Jesus, and you can share briefly what happened. A friend say came by, mm-hmm. and 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 he was had such joy and peace, and he shared with me about Christ. Mm-hmm. And I realized that day that I needed Jesus. And since then, you know, you can share a few things about what God has done. I have a peace. I have a joy. Right. Um, so it, it's it's getting people. Thinking about this, about right? Getting th- people or can thinking starting about the conversation. eternity and about yeah, starting a conversation. Um, and so, if we can get people at least thinking in that direction, and again, like we mentioned earlier, people's thinking is about spiritual things is so wide and so varied these mm-hmm. days. There's there's so many philosophies and ideas and things that are in the minds and hearts right, of people, especially right. younger people. Right, and, um, you know, they, they've been they've fed been programmed, and programmed, yeah, programmed with things like and, evolution and, and, or right. uh, in the church the the, uh, the um, depravity of man or all these kinds of things that, that really, I mean, a lot of it, even our own understanding of the Bible, because it's, it's, it's not completely straight and we haven't straightened it out ourselves, we can't explain it very very straight very um people get confused they get caught in the corners of this and that theology they have lots of questions and they don't have lots of answers and so finally i think they just say hey this isn't working for me this isn't necessary i'll let god figure it out he knows where i am if he wants to talk to me and and so we just kind of have that um kind of a you know and right now we're talking i'm sure listening the people listening are your people who want to know how to lead somebody to jesus so um and you know that's you know, people oh, come to the altar, you know, bow your head, say this prayer, um, you know, kind of all, there's all kinds of ways. I think some people witness with, uh, you know, the, I don't know, the four spiritual laws or the, you know, the commandments. Have you done this and that? And you've lied, you've stolen, you've been, you're a sinner, you're lost. And, and, and yet if we don't give them hope and truth, and they aren't touched with the genuineness of what we're saying. They'll just toss it out as just more, you know, advertisement or more, 
marketing or more people pushing a product of some sort. And they're, right. And, and they get jaded and they get... That's exactly what's going on. There's a lot of people like that. And, and the thing is, a lot of times we have some things to overcome. Lots of things, actually. Of if things we're talking overcome. about the coldness of love these days and in our own yes. souls. But I think we need to go back to the power uh, evangelism in the in the book of Acts and in the those epistles, you see that the the Holy Spirit moved in dynamic, real, powerful, unmistakable ways. With whether it was earthquakes or people being set free out of prison or people being healed or uh, even nowadays the people who are really having success um, are the people who number one are totally motivated by the love of God and the the urgency for the loss that we read about in Jude. And then they are also walking in the spirit to discern, and, and there's like words of knowledge, prophetic words, um, sometimes even reading right into the person's life. It's almost like you're reading their mail. Once you start doing something like, like that and you're accurate, that you have their attention. Exactly. And, and, and so the, the genuineness, that you're, the real deal, if you're just a phony, we're trying to earn your bounty points with God and your church to try to be... You know, get notches on your belt. By that's works, it's performance, that, and it won't work. Really works don't ridiculous. really work, do they? But there is a genuineness. And I think people well, let me ask you are, something. Sh- are almost shocked mm-hmm. to discover that there are genuine, for real, not just crabby, crazy, right-wing, uh, <laughs> uh, Bible thumping, religious, Bible-thumping, door-knocking. That yeah. actually there are people that actually really care about them, and they can feel the love, and it's mm-hmm. demonstrated uh, in their lives. In, in, it can be demonstrated, of course, in a variety of ways. Right. But you had a question. Well, you know, I was thinking. You know, the um, the question becomes maybe the the first question we need to ask as people listening to this broadcast is. What is the hindrance? What's the lie? What's the lie that I'm believing? What's the lie that fear is telling me that hinders me from going out there? Is it I don't have time? I don't really care. I don't love them. I don't really believe it's that urgent. Um, this is for somebody else to do. What are, the, what are the excuses and the lies that Satan is using um, in your particular life to, to hold you back from becoming a witness? Because really that's why we're here. That's the, the real main important most important of all reasons. I mean, it's like what Jesus said, make disciples, go make disciples, uh, baptize. That is so non-important. That's so lost on the priority list of human beings these days. It's like, who would ever think that is even even rated? And, you know, right now it's be successful, grow your numbers, uh, you know, become known, be a big church, get lots of money. Or if you're in the corporate world, if you're in the, uh, make money, you know, be happy, uh, it's me and myself, uh, you know, it's, it's all of this. But so the, the, the urgency of what Jesus said, go make disciples, is absolutely not on the checklist of anybody, anybody's um, list, I think. It's interesting that there was a survey among pastors, evangelical pastors across the nation. They were asked to simply rate their church in, in about, I think, 14 different categories. And uh, this was done just a few years ago, and evangelism came in dead last. <laughs> Interesting. And, you know, they had this, they had, well, they had maybe whatever else they had, but evangelism was the, you know, our, our, our church is doing well. I heard someone say that our church is doing very well, but uh, 
we're not really doing any evangelism. Well, you know, the it's I like, are, are you kidding me? It's like, uh, yeah, well, it, we've lost the sense it's of like a dairy farmer, not, you know, well, I'm doing well, but you know, my cows aren't giving any milk, but I'm doing well. Or I'm not I, milking my cows. I'm not milking my yeah, cows. They're just yeah. out there in the pasture looking like yeah. cows. And, but you know, the, the idea of people perishing, um, doesn't really compute you know we are actually dying silently every day and there is a silent kill that is going on even in the populations of earth through the the the, the actually the genocide that's coming out through the pesticides and through the uh gmos and through the um the, the plagues and the 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 pollution and all kinds of things the radiation and and nobody is raising it. No mainstream media is calling any alarm to that. And yet, as believers, I believe we need to call an alarm, pull the alarm that people are perishing. That is not changed since Adam. That people are are confused, lost, and they need to get back into right relationship and fellowship with God. That is number one priority on the planet. Well, Jesus spoke more about hell. He warned more about hell than he talked about the glories of heaven. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, he sees this now. So if people aren't perishing or they don't know they're perishing, why would they need a Savior? That's right. So how do they find out that they're perishing? They have to, their only hope that they have particularly is unless yeah. um, some countries well, uh, where Jesus, the people have visions of Jesus, I mean the real Jesus, and he appears to them where there's no missionaries, there's times that, that this, there's, there's breakthrough happens among certain Population groups in, in the United in in other countries particularly. But what What's, if we don't have that? What if what you know? Here's our problem: if we don't really realize that we're perishing without Jesus Christ, we will not call for or need or receive a savior. And plus, we've been inundated right. with all kinds of other solutions and options. And when I have a problem now, I've been trained to go to the professional, the doctor, the banker the social worker, the this, the that, the, you know, and no one is, you know, and of course, none of them help, really. They just take more of your money. But when you truly, and so going back, the, the, the problem really, is, as I'm seeing it, isn't so much the people out there. I mean, they're a mess. They're lost, and they don't even know that the, the house is burning down in their, you know, or they're, they're in the Titanic. They're still playing poker in the game room, and the things, the, the ship's been struck, and they're two hours from sinking. Um, but you really can't blame them, honestly, for what's going on. I think what we need to look at is ourselves and the fact that if we would be close to the Lord in reading his word, abiding in him, moving in the spirit as they were in the book of Acts, and I believe we may get soon, we may have more opportunities than we know what to do with if crises begin to be attributed to God instead of some other entity or government agency or country. A lot of times we say, well, that was just, you know, that's the communists, that's the Russians, that's ISIS, that's Obama, that's this. And, but when we realize that the ultimate one, the judge of all the earth that we have to give account to is, you know, behind some of these things, then maybe the fear of the Lord will come upon us. And of course, at that time in the point, the Bible says some of them will also just curse God. But for back to the listeners, how would you lead someone to Jesus? I mean, just simply, uh, let's just say you've had a relationship with them for a while. Um, maybe they're a relative, maybe a friend. Um, and at some point, what do, you, what do you need to say? What do you need to do? Well, it, at some point, there's, there's, you know, you, there's different uh, ways you can do it. 
You well, need just to be give me one simple way that works. I'm going to give you a basic right. one. It's that, you know, uh, for God so loved the world, for example, that he gave us only begotten Son, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of sitting down with a person explaining this, the story. There's, there's a booklet that I like to share with people. It's called The Story. It gives the background from the creation of man to, uh, you know, heaven and hell. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if that, okay, the re- the thing is, man has, to, people have to realize that, that we've sinned, that, that sin is serious. It's a serious affront to God. And, and, and uh, you know, we, we sin because we believe lies. We believe lies. We sin. But, you know, sin is not really, there has to be the conviction of the Holy Spirit because Sin is a big is big business in the United States. It's it's officially sanctioned and encouraged in so and many ways. Mm-hmm. It's legalized and and approved even by our, our Supreme Court, so uh, Congress. But um, so so but the thing is, there's in that setting, if that person as hard as prepared, they will realize that yes, okay, I've I've you know we've all messed up, okay. We've all messed up, and uh, you had a question. Well, I I was thinking, you know, obviously we're made of body, soul, and spirit, and that spirit part of us um, resonates, has been built by God to resonate with the truth of God and longing for a relationship with him. Now, I understand before people are saved, that spirit is an unlit candle, and it's not functioning as a light necessarily, but nonetheless, we do have a conscience, and there is something I believe that God has uh, depart, uh, imparted, imparted in us, to us, that causes us to recognize for God so loved the world, to recognize and come into an agreement with that. So when the person is finally connecting with that revelation, maybe it's just a glimpse, maybe just a, a split second, they all, all of a sudden they see mm-hmm. that what you're saying is the truth. And, um, you know, going back to the tracks and the booklets, I know people do get saved through tracks and booklets and all that stuff. But it has to be God that keeps them reading those pages because the devil is right there to snatch, snatch the word out of there that's been planted. That's, that's right in the middle of the um, sower in the soil, the parable. So for people to get through a four-page or five-page booklet is like that in itself is a miracle. But going back to, let's just say, um, you know, I think the simplest way to get someone saved, you know, obviously you're going to understand John 3.16 and whatnot, and it's a good thing to say to them, but do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior or something like this? Do you know where you would go if you died tonight? Where, where would you spend eternity? Where yeah, would you go? Yeah, and that's, Do that's, you know? That, that's very good because, you see, the thing is when you bring up things about Jesus and Christianity, we a lot can of people all... want to get into an argument. Yes. No, exactly. so you got to get it down to personal. Okay, what about the hypocrites, or what about yeah, the Muslims, or what about this or that? It's like, okay, what? No, what, what about ab- them? What about you? What about you? <laughs> what about you? Yeah. Okay, do you uh, do you believe that Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ um, exists? That He loves you? That He gave His life, died on the cross, on the for cross your sins, yeah, to pay the penalty for your sins, and then and if you and He rose again from the dead, mm-hmm. and if you will confess with your mouth, mm-hmm. Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm. And believe in your heart, God is raised from the dead. You'll be saved. That's simple. Um, yeah, and Romans and it, 10, and it doesn't 10. have to be accompanied either. This, 
this declaration, as you're saying it, of believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died on the cross for our sins, uh, that he rose from the dead, that he's coming back. This is a declaration. It does not have to be embellished with with um, feelings and, and uh, you know, wonderful, ecstatic, uh, you know, kind of emotion. It's simply an agreement. It's a contract. It's a deal that's been struck between you and God. And whether you have the emotions and the feelings and, and, and you know, the knockdown, drag out, whatever wonderful, you know, feelings is irrelevant. That's, that's gravy. That's that's frosting on the cake, so to speak. Right, right. It is it is a it is a transaction, and that might sound really cold, but yeah. I mean it's a yeah. wonderful transaction. Mm-hmm. And there is there's a new life, like you mentioned, Margie. I don't think it's that hard to be saved, actually. No, it's just e- easy. I mean, so why children, do we make it three, so four, complicated? You know you that know. you have to go to a, a class for two years. I to got learn saved how to pretty simply because. I, I think I already knew Jesus, what, what I knew of him. It was a limited understanding. But I got saved because when they had me read Romans ten, thirteen, it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, or whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. And they just simply asked me, well, have you called upon the name of the Lord? And I couldn't lie. They said, well, yes, I have. And probably had called upon the Lord lots of times in different ways throughout the, the years of my life up to that point. And so because I could not call God a liar, I had to accept the truth that that made me saved. Now, did I know what I was doing? Well, I had some rudimentary understanding of Jesus dying on the cross, of course, and I believed that. And believing in resurrection, yes, I believed that. So, I mean, um, a lot of people are probably saved when they're quite young, but they haven't really understood what that meant. They haven't been converted. They haven't submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord. So sometimes when you run into people, they've already been saved, or maybe they've been saved 15 times, Jerry. What about those that keep going to the altar over and over and over to get saved again and again? What, what do you say well, about that? Well, I think the part of that is just not, uh, it's, it's not having understanding. Cause once, once or you, assurance. Or assurance. That's the idea, is assurance, that, that if you, like, say, this is a deal. You've come across to God uh, you you confess with your mouth. You believe in your heart. You receive Christ. Whoever received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on His name. Uh, John chapter one twelve. As many as received Him, okay. so uh, it's just opening the door of your heart and, and 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 receiving Him to be your to be your Lord, to be your Savior, and. Uh, uh, when he comes in, there is there is a new life. It's the beginning of a of a brand new life, and and uh, what's we mentioned earlier about making disciples. So that person is a brand new believer in Christ. Say if we've led led him to the Lord, or mm-hmm. uh, you know we've we've helped him sign on the dotted line, so to speak. Um, but then it's a matter of building relationship with him. So we can just help him. Yeah. I believe discipleship is not necessarily, it can be part of it can be done in a class or a worship service, but most of it needs to be one-on-one. Right. How did Jesus train his disciples? Well, and this goes, he spent yeah. time with them in, in friendship and in encouragement. And people can be a friend. I, I, uh, I tell people, I said, you know, there's a lot I don't know, but I will share with you what I know. Mm-hmm. And, that, I think, is enough. 
Well, you know, the thing is with discipleship and mentoring or making disciples or even leading people to Jesus, basically it all goes back to the same thing. We need, we, we love them and we develop a relationship with them. And a lot of people don't invest in those kinds of relationships because they're messy, they're time-consuming, you're bearing one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, and people just don't want to get involved. They don't want to be, um, uh, you know, me- the, the messiness of, of somebody else's life. You just don't want to be um, involved in that. Another thing, too, is that if you're in a situation where things are politically correct or you're in a work environment where, or a family environment where it's just, you just, you know, you're not going to be coming in and just standing on the table and preaching or anything mm-hmm. like that, Wise, or, or where it's wisdom. just this kind of hostile mm-hmm. environment. Mm-hmm. If you basically what God has called us to, part of being witness is living the life, right. living the life, living with grace and integrity mm-hmm. and and love and purity and and stuff like that. Not as uh, just yeah. some holier than thou person, mm-hmm. but just being a genuine person who cares about people, who loves God, and pray, 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 pray for those people. A lot of those people that don't know Christ, most of them, Paul says, Second uh, Corinthians four one through six, the God of this age, Satan mm-hmm. has blinded mm-hmm. their minds. Really? So pray that, that well, the grip of Satan will be removed off their minds, and the time will come. The time will come. Even if you maybe you seem like, well, I, I'm not really able to get to share this this person. I'm working with this person, but. I'm kind of, Lord, show me, give me the opportunity. The oppor- When you pray uh, privately about that, the opportunity will come. Sooner well, or later, there's yeah. going to be a crisis I or think what, a I question th- or something. And just be ready to share what really, the Lord would have you share have in to, those times, yeah. in those moments. But I have to go back to, as we're kind of wrapping this up, I have to go back to, I think, the real catalyst, the real beginning is, uh, as we're praying for them, I remember what William Booth said one time when they were starting a new mission somewhere and it wasn't going very well and the people weren't getting saved and they weren't interested in it. He telegraphed back as they kind of telegraphed to him. He says, try tears. And I believe that until we are ourselves pressed with the urgency, the love, the tears. And when you're praying for someone and there are tears for them and you're, there's an urgency and you yourself have realized what's at stake here, there will be a power in you from the Holy Spirit that will will connect. It, it, they'll get it. They'll it'll get their attention. And so I really believe that for us to look at what needs to be done with evangelism, first of all, we need to say, Lord, what about me? Why am I? Uh, what's holding me back? Because if Satan can keep the warriors and the workers in the harvest field out of the harvest field, the harvest will not be harvested, not by us anyway. And so if that's what the problem is and that and, and isn't going into the harvest field, isn't that the major reason why we're here, uh, that and discipleship? And so if you're being held out and, and being held back and uh, just don't have a heart for it, not to say that everybody's got to have the same heart for it. Personally, my heart is way more for discipleship, but I, I do have a heart for people, you know, being saved. And if you have, don't have that heart, and you don't cry it out and say, God, give me that burden, uh, because uh, we are going to have to give an account of ourselves to the Lord, well, too. Well, people have to be saved so they can become disciples. Right. So, well, and I don't okay. think God wants us to do this under threat. You know, okay, no. you're going to get in trouble if you don't save people or if you don't talk to people about me. 
I really think it's a relationship with the Lord, that a heart relationship we have with God that makes us have our share in his heart. And his heart is that he's not willing that any should perish. He is a God of love, even though he's gotten bad press. All of his existence, you know, with man, you know, God is mean and God is, you know, harsh and God is whatever. But he's gotten bad press, but God is really a God of love. So tonight, if we, if you want to pray this prayer, I think this would be a good way to just end the show, um, to ask the Lord to, I'll pray and then you pray, Jerry, that, that we'll just get an urgency. Father, we thank you for truly your heart, which is that we would um, bear the burdens, that we'd cry, that we'd seek your love, your safety, your security, your salvation for the lost, that we'd understand the length and the depth of the abyss of eternity, a lost and separated from you, the, power, the, the, the awful, terrible, un, uh, incomprehensible um, situations that hell bring into the life of a person. Father, that none would perish, that none would go without you. And so Lord, tonight I just pray that as we listen, as we seek your face, that you would stir our hearts up and that your spirit would come upon us in a new and fresh way to remove from us any kind of apathy or hardness of heart um, and that we would be compelled as Paul was, as uh, those of old were compelled to know, to do, to stand up for righteousness, to, to preach the gospel, to uh, make this the mandate of the urgency of our lives and for this hour of great need and peril that we are in, Father, that you would stir up our hearts. We ask this, Father, in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, and I thank you, Father, for the great privilege that it is to be your witnesses. Lord, I pray that we would be genuine, that we would, um, by your grace, you make us genuine, the real deal. People will be able to tell if we're the real deal or not. They might not agree with us uh, initially, but uh, we're, we're there. Whether they receive or not, Amen. whether they believe or not, um, let us be encouraged to share. Your word does not return void. Your word accomplishes great things in the lives of people, Amen. even though we often don't see it. Help us to pray. Lord, we pray for the people that our families and our workplaces and our neighborhoods um, places, uh, stores where we go, uh, people who are lost, help us to pray for them and, and give us the words to speak. Give us the actions to take. There's such a whole variety of things that we can do and say, not under some artificial pressure, but just out of the heart of love. Give us the heart of love to see people as you see them, Lord, to feel for them as you do, um, to speak as you would have us speak, and to do what you would have us do. Yes, Lord. We thank you for that, Father. We thank you for this answer to this prayer, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.